As it is the Christmas season, I wanted to give everybody a gift for those of you who listen and give you a taste of what I do whenever I run tabletop games for, you know, people. Um, It's, you know, the Christmas season and we often forget about the ultimate gift at Christmas. We all strive to get, to try to get that perfect gift, that big screen TV, that new gaming system, that new iPhone or new Droid phone or whatever the case is. We seek to find that perfect gift. We strive for the ultimate gift. But it's something that None of us can give. And the reason why is because it's already been given. And what do I mean? Well, I'm fixing to describe it to you. So sit back. Let your imagination and visualization flow relax and absorb therefore the lord himself shall give you a sign behold a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name emmanuel isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 in a time long ago a man dressed in the generic brown robes of the time cinched about the waist by a rope wearing sandals that were comfortable for the feet as he walked everywhere that he must go. This is not just your common, ordinary man, but is instead a prophet of God. receiving a vision of something to happen in his future, our past. A sign that had been sought after for many, many years. People have prayed, people have sought, people have looked, but yet none found. The sign was to be the Savior for us all. The sign was to be that of a virgin giving birth to a child, but not just any child. For whenever that young virgin girl 
was set to be the mother of God's only begotten son. No man on earth had conceived with her. Only the divinity, one third of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. Inside young Mary's womb would be the child Jesus. the Savior of the world. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This baby was going to be unlike any other baby. Granted, the child would have to grow from infancy to toddler, from teenager to adult. But this baby was different from the very beginning. As we have heard, the baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit upon a virgin named Mary. But this baby, even before birth, was to have responsibilities that none of us can ever begin to imagine. First and foremost was the responsibility of living a perfect life. This baby was to be called Emmanuel. This baby was to be the savior of the world. This baby was the prince of peace. This baby was, this baby is, and this baby still will be our Savior, our eternal hope, the one who will give an even greater gift than his birth. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and are come to worship him. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 and 2. Nine months had passed. Mary, very young for her age, was to give birth. She was betrothed to Joseph, a carpenter by trade. 
And Joseph knew that he was not the father. Yet Joseph, who sought to divorce Mary quietly so that neither of them would have to go through a messy situation. Joseph loved Mary and undoubtedly Mary loved Joseph. While Joseph was still an angel came to him. The angel told him about the baby inside Mary's womb. The angel told Joseph that he was not the father as Joseph already knew. But then the angel told Joseph who the father was. The angel gave not only Joseph but Mary the strength as well. The bright light was there. The angel whose light shone so bright that it would pale in that any light now would pale in comparison to it. This was a heavenly being here among physical earthly beings. Nothing can compare. Joseph and Mary listened, wrapped in awe and wonder. Joseph was there. Joseph accepted this. Joseph absorbed the knowledge of who and what Mary was carrying inside her womb. Joseph also knew that no matter what other people may say, other people may do, what they may think, he knew that this pregnancy, that this baby was so much bigger than him. He knew that this baby was much bigger than them. Joseph knew that this baby was more precious in not only the short term, not only in the long term, but in the eternal. Joseph knew that this baby, small, inconsequential to others. Joseph knew that this baby was much, much more than just a baby. Joseph knew that this baby was Christ the Lord. 
he Herod had heard about the king of the Jews, which was little baby Jesus. Three wise men had come asking about the baby because they had seen the star. The star that would guide them. Herod, fearing a king that would take over, little did he know or realize. Herod did not seek to pay homage to Jesus as these three wise men did. You see, King Herod, who felt threatened, sought to kill the baby. King Herod, dressed in his kingly garment, red robes, crown upon his head, sat upon a throne on a dais, numerous people about him, three wise men in front of him, listening to them, listening to their questions, and pondering in his own scheming mind. The furrow likely upon his brow, the crease as his mouth turned downwards, the evil intent not so well hidden in his eyes. sought to find the location of baby Jesus to kill, to destroy, to kill all of our eternal hopes. The three wise men left Herod and followed the star. They followed the bright light that was given to them as direction. The light so bright in the sky that they could see it, that they could follow it, and just like Jesus, so that they could distinguish the real from the imaginary. The star in the sky that only they could see revealed the location to them of the Savior of the world. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 11. Now they had heard what the king had to say, so they departed from him from his evil intentions, because these, again, were wise men dressed in the robes of finer material of the time. 
likely extremely wealthy individuals carrying bags and small containers of gifts. They not only dressed in finery, but were extremely intelligent for the time in more than just one way. They knew that Herod sought to kill whom they sought to worship. As they walked out of the palace that day, out of the finery that the king and the kingdom had, the star shone brightly for them. Again, no one else but them could see the brightness that would guide them along their path. As these three men began to walk, as they began to follow the light, as they took each step one foot in front of the other with the sand or dirt beneath their feet grinding away, their attention was focused upon the star. Their attention was focused upon whom they were going to worship. As they headed east following that star, the star itself did not grow closer but yet they traveled nearer and nearer. The light to them grew larger and larger, brighter and brighter, and undoubtedly the excitement began to build with each step once they noticed the star growing, once they noticed the brightness, the illumination intensifying, I'm sure their step increased in pace. I'm sure they began to hurry to find the savior of the world. I'm sure that they almost ran to meet a baby who could not even reply to them yet. I'm sure that they began to run, to fall down, and worship the baby who could not even speak yet. I'm sure that they hurriedly arrived at their destination because they were happy whenever they got to the star. They came to the house the star above the house indicating their final destination. The light so bright to only them, they arrived without much fanfare. Likely curiosity for those who saw, wondering why men of such prestige and finery were there. but they had eyes 
for only the baby in the manger. They only had eyes for the baby whom Mary had birthed. What did they do? They slowly allowed their creaking older joints to bend their knees. They bent their knees to the ground. They lowered themselves into a worshiping position and began to heap praises and worship upon the one that they knew and that they believed and were shown was the Savior and is the Savior and will be the Savior of the world. But these three men brought more than just their devotion. You see, these three men also came bearing gifts to the ultimate gift. They presented to them gold, frankincense, and myrrh, three highly sought-after symbols of wealth. Three symbols that showed not only their devotion, but their love for this baby, the Savior of the world. As all babies do, Jesus grew over the years, slowly growing from a newborn baby to an infant, to a toddler, eventually to a teenager, and eventually, as we all do, grew into an adult. Jesus was unlike other children in the way that Jesus was perfect. While most parents may believe that their child is perfect, can do no wrong, <laughs> Mary and Joseph had a child that did no wrong. Jesus was perfect in every way. Jesus would walk with a perfect stride. Jesus never cursed. He never had a lustful thought. He never did anything wrong. He never got angry just to get angry. The times that he did were righteous anger. But this baby, this newborn, grew into adulthood, and it was time for Jesus to be about his father's business. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And saith unto him, 
If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Matthew chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. Jesus led a life that none of us could. As he came into adulthood, he had been tempted, as all people are, from the day that he was born in the manger, surrounded by the animals, surrounded by the stench of the stable. As he was surrounded by the animals, the wise men, his earthly mother and earthly father, things were about to change because he had to grow up as he did. And as he did, he was tempted as all people are. But unlike all of the others, Jesus never sinned. You see, he had to come here to live the perfect life so that he could be the ultimate sacrifice, so that he could be the ultimate gift, so that he could die for all sins, for anyone who wanted to believe in him as their Lord and Savior. He had to live that perfect life, and thus he did. But the devil believed that he had not truly been tempted. So the enemy, the ruler of hell, came to tempt him himself. He offered him bread for Jesus had fasted and was hungry. Day after day, Jesus did not eat, instead prayed and prayed and talked to his heavenly Father. His stomach shrank and shrank and shrank day after day, missed meal after missed meal. But not only was he missing food, he was also missing companionship with other people because there was no one else around. You see, Jesus was there to fast from food as well as to fast from hindrances for other people around him. And he went there knowing that Satan was coming to tempt him more than he had tempted anyone ever. Offer him food, for he was hungry. Offer him wealth, which he already had. Jesus rebuked him turn after turn, tempt after tempt, until Satan knew that he 
had been defeated that he could not tempt Jesus. So Satan left, plotting revenge and the downfall of Jesus, of this man who was living the perfect life, of this man who would defeat Satan in the end. And he cometh the third time, and saith unto them, Sleep on now, and take your rest. It is enough, the hour is come. Behold, the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Mark chapter 14, verse 41. Jesus was praying, because this tormented him, it bothered him, not in a bad way, but he wanted people to understand why. He asked his close friends to be there to help support him as he prayed for the time that was coming that he knew had to come, yet the human side of him, I believe, wanted to shun away because that is the flesh inside us. But yet Jesus was praying that God give him the strength to fill his human fleshly weak body that was not breaking down, but that wanted to run. The divine part of him knew that he could not. And I believe that the human side of him knew he could not as well. So he asked his friends for support because he was weak. The human part of him was weak because he's just like us and we are weak. He asked them to support him, to steady him, to strengthen him, and all they could do was sleep and give empty words of, yes, we will watch, yes, we will be here, yes, we will support you. Yet they slept on. And when they were come to the place, which is called Calvary, there they crucified him, and the malefactors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Luke chapter 23, verses 33 and 34. Jesus betrayed by friend, someone that he valued his friendship, yet betrayed for a pittance of money. Jesus was arrested, and Jesus was brought before the king and the crowd convinced the king to crucify Jesus like any other common criminal. They let Barabbas go. A man who had done horrendous things, tried to start a rebellion, was let go for Jesus, who had done nothing wrong, done nothing but good, who did nothing but love people and offer them eternal hope. For that, for that, Jesus was crucified on a cross, a device of torture shaped like a lowercase t. His arms were spread wide. He was nailed with things similar to railroad spikes. A crown of thorn placed upon his head and dug and pressed into his scalp so that he bled. He was whipped beyond recognition. Blood would pour down his back, down his legs, down his face. 
so much so that he was humanly weakened, that it looked as though he were crying blood tears. He hung on that cross, each drop of blood cleansing someone who would believe in him as God's son, someone who would believe in him as the savior of the world. He hung there, dying, crucifying, slowly being mocked, given vinegar to drink whenever he was thirsty, beaten, bloody, bruised, likely unrecognizable. He hung there and died. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 20 through 22. But you see, it was not over yet. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was taken down from the cross, placed in a tomb. His body was, had been prepared for death, for funeral rites, with spices, with wraps. He was prepared as they prepared during that time. Then a stone was rolled into the entrance of this borrowed tomb. Despair filled his friends. Despair filled his family. Despair filled those who followed him. But see, the despair came from two different things. One, that he died. And I believe that two, the doubt that crept in. The doubt that they had believed that he was truly the Son of God. They believed that it all had been a misunderstanding, something not quite right. You see, that is until the ultimate gift, the most perfect gift was given. You see, a perfect child was born under that bright star that shone upon him, that divine heavenly light shone upon baby Jesus. That baby lived, that perfect baby lived the perfect life. And you see, that teenage Jesus lived a perfect life into a perfect adulthood where he was crucified after being betrayed by Jesus for money. You see, Jesus was beaten and he was hung on that cross. He died the death for each and every one of us, the perfect death that he had to die. But you see, once that tomb, which was the box that contained 
the ultimate gift, the ultimate present was opened up after three days. Jesus had the keys to death. Jesus had walked out of that tomb. The perfect gift that could ever be given had been opened. And that's why the perfect gift is as follows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16. Brought to you by the 620 Live Podcast. If you'd like to help with talks on this podcast, be sure to send a PayPal donation to R-B-E-N-N-E-T-T-2018 at windstream.net. And I do appreciate all listens, likes, shares, and hey, for all of you subscribers, thank you as well. God bless each and every one of you, and may he bless you, protect you, and keep you until we return again. Merry Christmas, everybody.